Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? One, two, three, four. This is the Prying Priest Podcast, and I'm Father Yuri Hladio. You're listening to the first half of an unedited interview about the personal stories of amazing people and why they have come to believe what they do. For the second half of these interviews, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash pryingpriest. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome, Aaron, to the Prying Priest podcast. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you. I'm very, very I'm thrilled, to be honest. Uh, can you just give a quick rundown of your version of how we know each other? Yeah, well, um, Yuri, you are an adult mm-hmm. compared to me, although we're not that many years apart. I just, I know, I've known you as an adult figure before I was an adult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're forever an adult for me. Um, But then one day when I was also an adult, you said, hey, want to do some improv? And I said, I would try that. Um, And then we did that for many years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we performed together. We did Canadian improv games, work together, made a lot of food together. So, I mean, I'd say I'd say that's a pretty specific (laughs) rundown of how we know each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we have one of the best professional partnerships. <laughs> or like we would have if we actually went into a professional field. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the conversations that we've had are friend conversations, but we've also had a lot of like business conversations. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. I really enjoy. Well, we were involved a lot in the organization of improv shows and different mm-hmm. kind of theater events. Um particularly thinking about that mosaic show we put on that that had like stand-up comedy, spoken word, improv. Little cabaret. Yeah. And it was, I think that we complement each other when it comes to organization and running events. I agree. And I think that's important because so many people that I'm very close with and work together in those ways, we do not work together well in a business, in a business way. And you know what? Yeah. We're business partners. Let's say it. Want to start a business? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, We'll talk about that. Uh, That's for the Patreon only. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. So obviously the Prying Priest podcast is all about uh, investigating like what you believe about the world and not necessarily just the intellectual side of what you believe, but more what has influenced you to believe what you believe, right? And part of that is family history. Part of that is friends. And part of that is our own exploration of uh, different authors and and media. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like what what's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you things that have influenced the way that you view the world? Uh, well, I I'm an artist, so yeah, that definitely influences the way I see things. Um, and I I'm also Jewish, so that's mm-hmm. a connection with the family history part of, of how I've been brought up and, and see the world like that. Um, and I'm also part of a queer community and that also really, it gives like a specific lens as to which I see, as to which I'm trying to be too smart, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I see the world through that lens, through a Jewish lens and, and through the lens of a, 
an artist, an undefined artist, theater, I don't know. But yeah, I think like creating art is just so impactful to whoever does it. And so it impacts me. Well, let's maybe take some of those influences you talked about. Let the main one you were talking about is being an artist or appreciating mm-hmm. art. Are there any particular um, modes of art or artists or shows that you've been to or movies that you've seen or, or books that you've read or, or anything that have really stuck with you over the years? Oh my God. Ugh. I, ugh. Whoa. <laughs> Big they, question. That's a huge, that's huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> I worked on a show in 2017 and a big part of it um, was the process. I think the process in creating art is just as important or more important than the final piece itself. And while creating it, we talked a lot about um, communion and how how the audience comes together and we're like sharing stories, we're sharing knowledge. And it's quite often in theater especially like a mainstream sort of theater, it's very separated. There's the audience comes to watch and they're not expected to participate. Um, And then the performance happens. But I think being on stage, if, if the audience energy is different one night to the next, which it is, your performance is going to be different. Even if it's scripted, there's, there's like an energy exchange, I guess there. And, and while working on that show I did a few years ago, I really, noticed that and then since then when I've been seeing productions I can't think of a specific right now off the top of my head but I really I guess focus on on whether or not the performers are like being not only vulnerable with each other but with everyone in the room and I think that really changes things and it really inspires me when I see it and not even just see it like feel it happening Mm -hmm. um because I don't know, I think at the end of the day, at least for me, like connection with other people is so crucial. And so having that in art, whether it be this like energy exchange, or if you just really connect with a story being shared in a theater piece or in a short film or in like a cool art book, Mm -hmm. I think like the connection to me is big. Maybe that answered your question and maybe it did not. Yeah. Oh, it gives me a follow-up question, (laughs) which would be, would you describe these experiences of theater and art as like religious experiences or spiritual experiences? Um, sort of. Yeah. I don't know, you know, etymology, what is a word, but I, I, I mean, I do think so. I think creating art is spiritual, especially with um, the collaboration and skill sharing. I think that's so spiritual and, um, Also, I've been thinking a lot lately about ritual. Um, Judaism is full full of rituals, which is why I love it. Um, And I think theater also is so ritualistic. Even like rituals, we have them with our improv group. Like before every show, we do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I know that theoretically, if we didn't do it, our show would still be good. But by doing it, it just... I don't know. It's just, it's, I think it's so important to start a show with whatever ritual happens there. So I I do think definitely theater and that energy exchange is a very spiritual thing. And I I also side note, a lot of uh, people from the outside can view like theater kids as like Mm -hmm, mm cults-y. 
And I feel like that's because they're so in tune with each other where it can be a little bit intense for an outsider um, because they're just like having, a, like a, I think, a spiritual moment together. I really do. Mm-hmm. Well, you described earlier when you were talking about the experience, you described it as communion, which is mm-hmm. like a common Christian um, it is. motif, right? It is. I don't know much about that, right. but I know that it is a motif. I've seen mm-hmm. a few films. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> could you could you speak a bit more about ritual when it comes to uh, your practice of Judaism? Uh, yeah, just if you want to take yeah. that and run. Sure. Um, I've in the past few years, I've been trying to reconnect a little bit more mm-hmm. um, with my connection to Judaism. And one thing that I I do love a lot is like just learning about all the rituals and, and learning a lot about different ways of of practicing. Which I think I don't know enough, but I I do think. That's similar across the board with many religions. Of course, there's different ways you can practice. And I, I really, I like, uh, there's a hand-washing ritual, which is very, I mean, timely as well. It's uh, mm-hmm. COVID. washing their hands a lot more. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a hand-washing rituals that are fun. And I mean, they're not fun, but there's a prayer that you would do when you wash your hands and in any seders so like dinners there's usually like a part where you all go and wash your hands and at funerals there's also you do like a certain amount of time on each hand and uh just the ritual and like the connection with water like that is really cool there's a lot of wine drinking i don't drink so grape juice for me but uh, (laughs) that that one is also ritualistic and just Things like lighting the candles, like there's always like the lighting of the candles, there's certain prayers that you always do. Um, and even like, there's a, there's a lot I don't know for sure. There's a lot I'll never know because there's so much to learn. But the few things I know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really speak Hebrew mm-hmm. at all, but I, I could do all the prayers in Hebrew and I know what they mean because mm-hmm. they're just that repetitive. And it's, it's honestly very comforting. I think rituals are very comforting and I think it's really beautiful, you know, when there's a, a circle of people around two candlesticks and everyone covers their eyes and does a prayer together. That's just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any connection with the historical aspect of Judaism or to what degree do you feel a connection? Um, Judaism being one of, one of the most ancient um, forms of religious practice. So is when you are, say, going through a ritual or practicing, do you feel any uh, maybe validation from knowing that it's ancient? Or could it just be like, it, it wouldn't even matter if it was ancient. You just appreciate the ritual. Um, I think it, it makes it feel more powerful. It, it, even just thinking that my ancestors also did the same thing. Um, yeah, I think it just makes it, freaking cool to swear that's not a swear but it makes it really it makes it really cool to to know that it goes back a long a long long time and again i i'm not like deep in the religion but i have been jewish since i was born so there's a lot of things that i'm i'm learning kind of lately that are fascinating and it's interesting just to see how things go back how things have changed and how some things are really really the exact same Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know it's cool 
Was there anything that prompted your reinvestigation into some of these rituals? Mm. I, yeah, loneliness. Mm -hmm. I, as I kind of mentioned before, like collaboration and skill sharing is really important to me. And I think the community, mutual aid, generosity are all really important. And I have, I have such, I've been blessed. Like I have such good community in all aspects of my life. So I have like a, a good like theater community. I have a really good queer community and I've had, I'm really lucky as well to have a lot of friends since I was young that are still so close. I have a good family support system. Um, but I, I did really feel outside of the Jewish community and I, I didn't go to a, like a Jewish high school or I didn't really go to synagogue much in high school at all. So I felt kind of outside of it. And I really, that was one part of my life where I didn't feel that connection. And I, I like crave, I crave connection constantly. And so the past few years I've been like trying to read and things like that and attend more events. Um, and I'm currently working <laughs> secret. This is on the DL. You want to save it for the Patreon episode? <laughs> you know what? No. Uh, <laughs> we have to talk about our business plans. Mm-hmm. I am starting a zine, so an independent magazine, and it's like by Jewish Canadians, and it's going to be so cool. I've been meeting for it later today. So that's just like another way that I'm trying to like have more community, and I, I have some Jewish friends kind of sprinkled all across Canada, and that's really helping me see other young people that I connect to because there is a big community in Winnipeg, but I'm just not in the circle. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my, my reinvestigation is definitely based out of loneliness and the craving of connection. Could you, you spoke a little bit about how theater um, helps you connect with other people. You spoke a bit about how um, these Jewish practices help you connect. Could you speak a bit more about the queer community that you were talking about? In general? Well, maybe like has, in what ways has it helped you kind of connect with other people or, or things of that sort? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really think that for me personally, of course, being part of that community is very validating and there's a lot of things where Definitely more when I was younger and growing up, I was like, oof, I, like, I don't connect with this dominant way of life, or I don't, like, understand certain things. And it's really validating to have a community that's like, oh, like, we can discuss this. Like, I also have had those thoughts, or I've also been conflicted or confused, or I, I don't know. I, I never <laughs> grew up very confused, I knew, the whole time, but... Um, less confused about myself, but more confused about the, my surroundings in the world. And, and I think having a community that is just the same, I guess, within like positionality and how I am in the world, even just, there's just little things that I sometimes need to be with other queer people for them to understand just because they have an innate understanding because they're, they've experienced something like that. And, I, I did a, a theater show once with, um, I was in the booth with two other people, one of them non-binary queer, the other one straight cis. 
And I made just like an offhand comment about like, like a relationship that was very straight and it wasn't a negative comment. I was just like, yeah, that was like a very straight experience. And my friend immediately knew what I meant. It's just like a, a feeling. And the other person was like a little offended. He was like, I, what? Like, is that bad? And I was like, no, it just like, isn't for me. Um, but he like, couldn't understand. And I think there's just the same with any community. There's just sort of like language means specific things. And then if you're outside of it, it's kind of like, well, what are you saying? So it's, it's been nice to have that community and, and also have Jewish friends in that community has been life-changing mm-hmm. because that, those are two different parts of my identity that haven't ever really meshed. Mm-hmm. Is that a work in progress, the meshing, or is it like a, a what, what are some of the tensions or if you don't, if you don't want to get into it, you don't have to, but I will uh, really I'm, I'm get curious. Into <laughs> well, I mean, firstly, Again, I don't speak Hebrew. I would love to. I'm trying to learn. It's hard, but um, it's hard because the alphabet is not the same as the English alphabet. So it's not even just a different language. The alphabet looks different. Um, But within Hebrew, similar to, I think, French, which again, I don't know how to speak French. I don't know anything. I I barely know English. Um, French is like a very gendered language. Um, So an object like chair has a gender. Um, Same with Hebrew. Hebrew is very similar in that way. And they don't have gender neutral pronouns. So they don't have like a they. Like that's just, that does not exist. Um, And so that's really tricky. Um, It's like very, very he, she, and it's, it's heavy. I think it's like heavy with gender. (laughs) And in fact, gender is like, no, like I'm going to throw it out the window. I don't need it. (laughs) I don't need it. Uh, like I'm busy, you know, I don't need to be preoccupied with, with gendering my chair. So that's, that's definitely something that kind of meshes the two. Same with just, there's a lot of gendered stuff is the fancy word gendered stuff mm-hmm. within Judaism. Term. That is the technical term. Yeah. I, I'm a PhD <laughs> In I don't know, in something. Just kidding. I only have a BA honors. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of gendered stuff in, in in Jewish ritual, honestly. So candle lighting is, is typically the women's prayer. Um, when you're a pallbearer, is that a word that other people know? Sometimes I get Paul, confused. Pallbearer, yeah, that would be a common word okay, for good. somebody carrying I, a casket. Wonderful. Sometimes I say a word and someone's like, that's not English. So I glad, glad to hear it. Um, typically that's just men. Um, I remember when I was younger, it was like a big deal. My uh, female cousin was a pallbearer and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is incredible. Women really can do anything. Women women can do anything. (laughs) Uh, So there's, I don't know, there's, there's things like that that are sort of in, and I mean, even just like rabbis, the, for the most part, the ones I've seen are, are men, um, but definitely not. There's this amazing rabbi, um, Rabbi Sandra, and she's a black lesbian rabbi. She's so cool. She does not live in Winnipeg. I wish, I wish. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely kind of, I, I hesitate to say tension, but uh, no, I think it is a tension for sure. It's, it's tension that we need to be more attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I... 
as I mentioned, I, I met a bunch of uh, Jewish Canadians who were also queer in the LGBT community in some sense. So lesbian, gay, bi, trans, any of the, any of them, some combinations. And a lot of them had like very separate, like their lives were just very separate. So they were like, they had a queer community and a Jewish community, but they didn't have both. And I was similar. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I think it's very gendered, which is, that's the biggest one that I've focused on less. So yeah, a little less with the sexuality stuff, but more with the gender stuff. Yeah. Have you, have you done anything in your own personal experience of say Jewish ritual or or involvement in the queer community in your personal life to try and mesh those two things? Or do you just sort of, just sort of live in the tension, so to speak? Well, I, I have complicated feelings personally about the candle lighting because on one hand, I love candlelighting. Well, I don't like, I've never <laughs> lit a match before. So I, I view it. I view the experience, but I have a complicated relationship with it because I, I, I don't know. I just feel on one hand, I, I love it. And on the other hand, I want to invite others to do it too. And I feel kind of weird also standing there. Um, and I also, uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, those are gen- like the gendered ones. And then b'nai mitzvah is also an option to use that's a bit more neutral. And so I often use that term and it really confuses other Jewish people. They don't under, my aunt didn't understand why I was, I was talking about having one in the future and I referred to it as a b'nai mitzvah and she was like, You're, you'd be a bat mitzvah. And I was like, no, I don't think I would. I don't think so. And, and that opened up a really interesting conversation because she was like, I've never heard of that being used. So I'm trying, but I'm still trying to like make friends. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, have you seen anybody else that is in a similar position? Um, so maybe other Jewish people who are in the queer community doing like interesting things or anything like that? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, all of my, friends in the LGBT community who are Jewish are the the coolest besides you, the coolest people (laughs) that I've ever met. Um, I think they're all like making their, making their mark and figuring things out in their own way, whether that be um, like one of my friends is studying to be a rabbi and she's a lesbian. And I think that's really cool. Um, One of my friends uh, is transgender and he's, he's just killing it. Truly. I, I don't even have a specific story. Just like really, um, not even, not even pushing boundaries, but just like pushing for acceptance, honestly. And I, I think at this point, that's what, that's what you have to do. It's, it's what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to change gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, and maybe go to, maybe a little, a little earlier in your life. And I'm wondering if you have any, do you have any experiences in your life that you would characterize as like spiritual? Um, maybe like uh, a moment of seeing God when you were walking in the woods or something, or, well, or um, maybe even something negative. Um, I, well, I've never taken a walk in the woods and seen God. I did see God at the mall. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what? Not really. I feel like I've definitely had spiritual experiences, but never these big 
like aha moments. Mm-hmm. They've always been very small and, and something I've kind of thought about lately looking back is the, this notion that everything is miraculous just like all all these little things and it, it's overwhelming when you when you think about that like so many things are miracles like what whoa whoa but yeah I, I can't think of I can't think of a specific example mm-hmm. So you grew up in a Jewish family. You had, so like in your home, there were Jewish practices, but also your extended family as well, right? Yeah. Are people that are still in your family still practicing Jewish um, rituals or anything like that? Or has anyone, has anyone like stepped away or anything like that? No one that I know of at least has Mm -hmm. stepped away. Um, And people in my family, they're varying degrees of religious, of like, actively practicing and it being just more of a like cultural thing. I feel like it's one of those, what I've noticed at least is I know people who were born into like a Christian family or a Catholic family. And they're kind of like, this isn't for me. And then they're just sort of like, not, they, they wouldn't say that they, they might say they were raised Christian, but not anymore, things like that. Mm -hmm. But for everyone I know who's Jewish, even if they say they're not religious, they're still Jewish because it's an ethnocultural sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there is that difference. So I definitely have family members who are just like, yeah, silver Hanukkah, <laughs> sort of it. Right. But I, I do have um, some family members who are more religious for sure. Um, it was just the high holidays. And so I saw my uncle who's more religious and we went to the cemetery. We did some prayer there. Um, and he hosted a, a dinner where some of my other family members We'll wish each other a happy new year, but they maybe won't do, do the big thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Christians tend to put a lot of importance on of maintaining the correct intellectual knowledge about their faith, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea, let's say um, you need to believe that Jesus was a real guy and that he really died on a cross and he really rose from the dead. Like it's important mm-hmm. to the intellectual, your intellectual knowledge that you, you have the correct brain furniture in the right spots, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, <laughs> and then for a lot of Christians, they see ritual as secondary, mm-hmm. right? Ritual is something that you only enact when, once you have the correct intellectual thinking. And I'm, and other, you know, other faith traditions sort of might do the opposite where it's, it's ritual first and intellectual thinking has something sometimes even separate. So I'm wondering, can I get your take on how, how ritual in the relationship with, let's say, intellectual belief works? I think, I mean, I think they work hand in hand for sure. Let me think. I feel like I was thinking about this earlier today because I knew I was going to be speaking with you mm-hmm. and I knew you'd ask me some hard hitting questions. Um, and I was thinking a lot, I guess about, um, well, I was thinking about the afterlife and as far as I know, like Jewish people, that's not a thing really. Um, the, the heaven hell, like that's not, no. Um, and if I'm being honest, if I think too much about like death, it's just like overwhelming and I can't focus. So I'm just like, no, but what I've, what I've come to realize is like, I, 
I, I've also been watching The Good Place, and so that's kind of in my head too. But I've, I've been thinking a lot about the like here and now, and so like, and, and intention. And so if my intention behind ritual is to connect with my community, if my intention behind being generous is selfless, for the most part, at the, at the very least, then I, I think that's really in, in line with Judaism. But yeah, I, I think whenever you just do a ritual because that's what you do, then maybe that's a time to kind of question like, why? And if it's because it's comfortable and that's how you feel you're connecting, then that's great. And if you want to look into it further and be like, okay, but why am I doing this ritual? Can I do something differently and connect better? I think that's also amazing. Um, Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like doing things not because I, I know they're like right and make me better, but just because I know that I should do them and it would help people like mutual aid. I'm helping, I'm helping somebody. I've helped two people move in in the past week and they've offered me things. I've taken food, I've taken food sustenance, but, but I just feel like it just makes sense for me to, whatever they're giving me to put it back either to help them more or to help somebody else. Because I don't know, I think that's part of the like belief system, I suppose. And and that's also something I, I don't know the Torah very well. I know some stuff, but who knows if I answered your question? I don't know. This is what I'm like in job interviews. I'm like, okay, hey, let me just talk to you about everything I've thought about today. Okay, well, I'll get like really specific. To, so so I, I really like that answer. You were answering my question, so that's good. Beautiful, I got um, the job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it, say when it comes to like Torah or something like that, right? Like it, how important... Would it be okay? This might just seem like a simplistic question, but like, let's say Moses, right? How important to you is it, like, if Moses actually lived or not, or where the texts themselves come from? Oh, like, does I mean, that come into your brain at all, or is it just kind of mostly just about the ritual of it? For me personally, I like, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care mm-hmm. that story. I just feel like you can learn from any story. You know, you can learn from the Lord of the Rings. We love it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two women. At, that's not true. There's three. But <laughs> I, I feel like there's so many stories or musicals. I love musicals. There's so much you can take from that or TV shows. And I think this is just another, obviously, it's not the exact same. Um, and I feel like a lot more people would fight me on Moses was real versus like Frodo was real. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would fight back and say, look at Elijah Wood. But... Yeah, I, I think to me, it doesn't matter because I think the stories are impactful and they make you think a lot. And I, I think what's interesting too is at the core of Judaism is this idea of wrestling with God. I saw this really funny translation um, from Hebrew to English and it said, listen up God wrestlers. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny because so many of the stories in the Torah, it has Moses, I mean, it has Moses who's not not like a typical like figure that you'd look up to. He has a stutter and he doesn't like being in charge, which is like not a good leader. You would, I mean, I don't think a stutter makes you a bad leader, but just things that typically aren't markers of like a powerful, strong leader. And and I think that's such a cool person to be a leader. And back to the God wrestling thing, uh, (laughs) 
Listen up, God wrestlers, sticks with me. Um, I think what's so interesting is that Jewish people in the Torah like talk back to God or like questioned what God offered. Um, and so I think like regardless of what the story is, like that content is what like sticks with me a lot. This idea of like always saying, okay, but why? It's like, okay, sure, I'll listen to you, but I have a few questions first. And and that's I think that connects sort of with your question of like, do you think like about the story being real or not? It's like, yeah, that's a, I don't know. It's a question. I don't have an answer and I don't need the answer, but I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is your, is your primary experience of religion a, um, like an at home thing or do you go to a synagogue or do you like go to somebody else's home for, for ceremonies or like how, in what physical location yeah, I, I, that that's an interesting question. Like, what <laughs> in what physical location do you go to, and what role does that location play in the actual in your actual experience of the rituals? Well, the mall is where I saw God. For, no, uh, I definitely oh, family homes is a, a big space for that. That's where we have all of our family dinners, um, and like connecting over eating is a big a big deal. Um, I used to go to synagogue for the like high holidays and maybe, maybe Passover. I don't know if that's true. Do not quote me. And I will not ask my mom. I I don't want the truth out there. Um, yeah, I stopped going to synagogue when I was a teen, I think not just me, my family just slowly stopped. Um, and I, I recently, because it was just the high holidays, I went to a service online on zoom and I, it was bizarre. I told my friend after the experience made me miss going, even though I, it's not like I would have missed going if we weren't in a pandemic because I don't normally go, but it made me really miss it. And I've lately in the past few years also been trying to go to synagogues when I travel because I get to experience new, new synagogues and spaces. And I, I've so far when I've done that, I've had incredible experiences and the, uh, congregation that took my brain a second. The congregation really like, like intensely welcomed me with open arms and like showed me around and like gave me a ride after, <laughs> which was so kind. And I, I would love to be in those spaces more, but that's a thing I think for the long term because there's not it's not going to happen anytime soon mm-hmm. because we're staying home so much. I think because we're staying home so much, I guess there's a question of how can we do some of these rituals at home and connect more at home, which is so like connection is just so important mm-hmm. to me. I do not like to be lonely. Mm-hmm. So being a hermit, that's not, that's a no go for you. I think if I actively decide to be a hermit, like if I'm the type of person where if someone cancels plans with me, and then I have a free Saturday, I'm upset. But if I intentionally say, I am not making plans this Saturday, I have a great time. Mm-hmm. Like I'll make some tea, I'll read a book, I'll do a dance in that order. So you like people so much, no wonder you see God when you go to the mall. It's true. I look, food court, God. Yeah. <laughs> Escalator, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Sport check, mm, I don't know. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go to kind of the last question here for the public episode, but Ooh. I will be asking you about your experience on birthright. Oh, uh, that's for, for the patrons only though. 
Oh my so God. I'm, I'm, I'm so interested. spicy. <laughs> I'm interested in your experience of birthright, but can you give like literally a 30 second max explanation of what birthright is so that people know what we're going to talk about? Okay. Honestly, birthright is a really complicated, oh my God, 30 seconds. <sighs> birthright is a really complicated uh, thing that exists where um, Jewish young people, young adults have the opportunity to go to Israel and experience it and get a tour um, I went on a specific, an LGBT specific trip, and that's the only reason I went. Spoiler, uh, spoiler free zone. You'll find out in the Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really. Con- I would say it's controversial, even within the Jewish community, whether mm-hmm. to like go or not. And it was really hard for me to decide. And you'll find out why. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm. I'm also gonna in the Patreon episode. I'm gonna ask you about um, any times that you ever went to like your friends churches or like religious being exposed to any kind of religious stuff that your friends brought you to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm interested to hear any of those stories. Uh, but to take us to the end of the public episode, I want to explore something you mentioned earlier about kind of the afterlife or thinking about death. And I don't necessarily want to just talk about death, even though that's, that's a lot of fun too. But it is. Um, when it comes to questions of the afterlife, um, you said that the, that in the Jewish mind is not as important. And does that ring true for your own experience like of life or, you know, how, how often does an afterlife actually come into your brain? Um, yeah. Just wondering about how you, how you think about your death and afterlife. Well, I, I really don't, I don't think about it much at all. Um, I also, I'm, I love having a busy, like a schedule in my life. And thinking of, about that far in the future, no way. Like I, I need to make plans for next week. And so I, I really try to like live in the present as much as possible or in the near future, planning for the near future. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't know if I know what I believe, but I, I always think that's something I'll worry about later. Whenever I think about it, it, it gets overwhelming. And so I just think, eh, I'll think about it when I have more time. <laughs> I'll think about it when I'm dead. I'll think about the afterlife, <laughs> figure it out <laughs> Figure it when I get there. That's mm-hmm. how I, that's how I feel because I'm too busy. Really. I, I would rather not think about that. Um, and fill that time. I could have been thinking about it with what can I do right now? What's something exciting that I can learn or share or what dance can I do? I love to dance, dance it out, dance it out or die. That's not a song. I thought it was. Well, you just made one. Bleep that out. <laughs> no, this is unedited. Unedited. Oh my god. <sighs> okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Christians who are extremely preoccupied mm-hmm. with the afterlife. That's what and I've gathered. I think that's cool. You think it's cool? Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's definitely not something I would do, but I think it's cool that other people have such a different idea of that than me. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see, cause our, our Western culture is so influenced by the Judeo Christian everything that you even get shows now, like the good place, mm-hmm. which are Im- influenced by that sort of stereotypical Christian view of the, of the afterlife. It really is. That show is fun. I like it. Mm-hmm. Philosophy. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, we got a couple of minutes left in the public episode. So I thought I, okay, I, I, I'm going to ask you one more question. So we're going to get in another question under the wire here. Absolutely. 
Are there any particular figures or specific people that are in your life that inspire you when it comes to like religion or spirituality or, or anything? I'm just interested to hear somebody that inspires you. Oh my God. Well, almost all, almost not all of them, almost all my family members, (laughs) not all. Uh, I mean, not my brother, but (laughs) a lot of my family members just in a general sense do, I think, um, because community is so important to me and seeing how they function as like a, a group is inspiring. But someone who's not literally in my life, but inspires me a lot is, um, Jenny Slate. She's an actor, a comedian, a writer. She's, um, she's impeccable and perfect and will never do anything wrong. Um, quote me, don't quote me, don't quote me, but I, I just think she's, she's Jewish as well. And I, I connect with her so strongly. I, I feel like not only do I know her, I feel like I am her sometimes it's, I don't know. It's a lot. She has a comedy special and she talked about this like essential question that she asks herself before going on stage to do stand up, And the question is, will the audience like me? And I can't just go out and do whatever. I need to offer them something. There needs to be that energy exchange. And I really, that really resonated with me. She has a book as well I'd highly recommend. It's called Little Weirds. Um, she just, I don't know, she inspires me as like a, a modern, a modern Jewish young person. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, and then, and then some of my friends who are more into Judaism than me because they teach me so much all the time. They make me feel like I have a community. They inspire me a lot. If you'd like to listen to the second half of this interview, you can head over to patreon.com slash priest. Your support is what makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have-